Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile. And as I mentioned in our last episode, we were going to bring back an old format to our podcast. If you recall when I first started this podcast, or if you've gone back and listened to old episodes, I used to do this thing called Rebuilding Plans. And guests would come on and deliver their plan to rebuild the Chicago Bulls into a title contender. And we did that format in 2019 at the start of the Bulls offseason. Last year, I didn't get into that in the offseason because it was so short. It was a new front office. We really weren't sure where things were going to be next season. But now, I want to get back to that format with our guests that come on. And I want them to deliver a plan that makes the Bulls a viable playoff team in 2022 and ready for championship contention or at least being a top tier team in the Eastern Conference by 2023. So really what we're doing is we're looking at this offseason coming up as sort of the compass to do that. And I think the Bulls, as I mentioned in the last episode, are in this interesting spot. So I think this makes a perfect conversation and view of how important this offseason is that's coming up for the Chicago Bulls. So our guest today is one of my favorite guests to have on the Rebuildable podcast. He's been on so many times. Salim Surtawala, he's the co-host of the Bulls Gold podcast, and he's always been somebody that brings a sense of uh, level-headedness when it comes to the Chicago Bulls. He's realistic. He's analytical, he's in-depth, he, I think, always has an informed opinion, and his first appearance on this podcast was delivering a rebuilding plan. So I'm really excited to have him on to give me this championship blueprint. You know, I want our guests, when they're here, to play the role of Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley and be that uh, armchair executive for the Bulls. All right, so let's bring Salim in right now to the podcast. He's been on what now seven times six times uh i don't know i think maybe 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 i should be a co-host now i well i think i said this <laughs> i think i said this one of the last times you were on it might have been appearance number five that basically if i was doing the cap and company model you would definitely be consistently company that's for sure <laughs> no, so that's that's true that's true if I if I ever get to a point where maybe I make some revenue from this podcast, maybe you just get like a, a good percentage. We'll we'll kinda we'll allot it based on how many times you've been on. I think I think this is being recorded, so your your uh this counts, right, as a contract. I'm well I'm crossing <laughs> my fingers. So I'm <laughs> maybe, I don't know if that if that does anything. I, I don't know if that's actually actually You're liable. Like, You're liable <laughs> now. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm really excited because, you know, I'm getting back into the swing of doing these plans, and this is really building a championship plan for the Chicago Bulls. Um, you were on pretty early in my pod in in the Rebuildable podcast, and you delivered a plan. I actually went back and looked it up. It was in July of 2019, and it was the day after Kawhi Leonard and Paul George ended up on the Clippers. The next day, you and I recorded your rebuilding plan at the time. And I feel like so much has changed in the league, so much has changed in our lives, so much has changed with the Chicago Bulls since then. So I'm really looking forward to this and giving you that opportunity to play 
general manager of the team. Just to kind of, again, set it up for our listeners, Salim is going to take on that role of Arturis Karnaschobas and Mark Eversley and build this team into a viable playoff team for 2022 and then make this a championship. Well, I shouldn't say championship. A top-tier team in the Eastern Conference by 2023 season. So let's begin, and I'll, I'll ask with this first question. It's going to be the first question I ask every guest that comes on. Salim, as you look at the roster, what do you think are the biggest needs for the Chicago Bulls? So this past season when I was looking as the season went on, um, seeing Pat at the three, and I all, all season I thought he was out of position, and I still think he's out of position, and I, I'm hoping – that the Bulls see him as a four and want to get him over to his natural position. Um, I think that that being that's being uh, that said, I I think getting a three, somebody you can start next to Pat, is is a is a big priority for this roster. So that way you can ask him to not have to take the best defensive assignment every night. He can try to obviously he's going to have to up his defensive uh, performance. I think he has shown the potential to be a really good defender. He still made a lot of rookie mistakes, um, obviously just on the help side, uh, even though at times on the help side, he, sh- he showed a lot of a high IQ and obviously his, um, his pure athleticism, especially like when on that block on Aiton, that was just, you know, not only knowing to move over, but also just showed you how talented and like athletic he is. He was able to get up on one of the most athletic bigs in this game and just, you know, eat him up in the, at the rim. So, but yeah, so getting him at the four, finding a three that can play next to him is I think a big priority. And obviously the second priority is finding a, ideally finding a lead initiator um, that's harder to do simply because those guys aren't generally available. I know there's some guys like Kyle Lowry, um, obviously Chris Paul, Mike Connolly, some guys that can you know you can give the ball to that potentially can handle it in late crunch time situations. But for me, I think being that addressing maybe a three next to Pat might be easier. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I say that, and maybe Troy Brown Jr. is that guy. It's just too bad we didn't get to see him more because of his, mm. uh, I believe, his hamstring injury. But, yeah. but yeah, I think that that is a very important thing to go into this offseason. I, and I really do, like I said, I hope the Bulls see him as a four going forward because I think that's the proper p- position for him. And I heard you say that on your last episode of Bulls Gold, and I was – actually shaking my head when you said that because I'm really hoping that they do see him as a four. He looked more comfortable at a four, and you brought this up on on that pod too, that defensively a lot more locked in and consistent when he was playing against other fours. Yeah, that too. And like I said, just it's it's a tough ask for asking a 19-year-old kid to, to take the best player every night and then also expect him to develop his offensive game. Um, I'm not saying that it's an excuse for him to pass up open looks like a lot. I, and I've point, I pointed out a shot that when Vucevic passed, uh, kicked it out to him in the corner three uh, and he passed it off to Kobe. I was like, you should have just taken that shot. That stuff like that, I can understand. And obviously, 
you know, there are some things he can do to be a little more aggressive and assertive. But like I said, it, it's 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 hard to ask somebody to defend on most of the game, defend the best guys like Devin Booker, you know, Kawhi Leonard, and all these all these you know big name scorers, some of the best scorers in the game, and then also be like, okay, well now we need you to uh, do this on offense. I mean, that's why AK even says has said after the season that uh, no one was asked you know, had more responsibility this year or asked of them than Pat. And, you know, that's tough as a rookie coming in, you're, you're expected to do all these things. So I, like I said, I, I think the goal should be to find a three uh, defensive minded three. Ideally. I mean, yeah, you want someone that can shoot the three really well. I, I'm, I'm hoping like maybe even at a 34% clip, I don't think they need to be like elite knockdown three point shooters because you do have guys like Booch. Uh, Zach, obviously, uh, Kobe, and Pat, too, is showing that he's he's a solid three-point shooter. So I'm not necessarily looking at a guy that needs to be elite at the, at the three ball. But somebody that can really play good defense um, would be ideal. You know, and I think that's, that's an interesting take because I think a lot of people are going to say, you know, point guard's the number one need. But in your mind, it's wing and then facilitator. So, yeah. And that, that's what I'm saying. And, and I guess the reason I have that mark, like the way set up like that, because I don't think it's realistic that we find a lead initiator because it's, yeah. it's tough because I don't know if it, it'll make sense for the Bulls. And I'm sure we'll get to this later in the podcast, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much sense it makes for the Bulls to try to clear up cap, cap space as opposed to operating as an over-the-cap team. Um, so that that's why it, it, you, at that point you kind of eliminate guys like Kyle Lowry, uh, Mike Connolly, um, mm-hmm. and obviously if like Chris Paul were to opt out and stuff like that, I think that at that point you probably eliminate yourself from those kind of names. Uh, Lonzo Ball, again, we'll probably talk about him later, is someone I, I would look to get, but he's also not a, he's not a lead initiator. He's a solid guy that would fit well with this team because yeah he can handle the ball a little bit but he's a really good defender um you know he can he can knock down the open three so though he he works in the sense and he's a he's a high IQ player so he's he'll move the ball he's not gonna like make dumb decisions in that sense but he's not really like a half court point guard where you can give the ball to him and you know he'll operate like a Chris Paul or a Kyle Lowry would or anything like that he's just a solid you know, he's a solid guard. We'll definitely get into more of the, the point guard talk in a little bit. As you start to kind of take the vision of the whole offseason, so before we get to draft night scenarios, we know that one thing that's going to be looming all offseason, really, and it could be looming into next season, is the Zach Levine contract situation because he has one season left on his contract. Um, the The way that this works right now is you you could extend them and you would save some money doing that but it doesn't really benefit Zach to take an extension right now necessarily he gains more money because of his bird rights um but what are you doing if you're Turs Karnaschovas you're Mark Eversley uh how hard are you working to extend Levine do you think he's going to end up holding out for more cash and evaluate the situation on the roster um and I guess if it is the latter, how much does that impact your offseason approach? Yeah, you definitely approach Zach about an extension, try to lock him up because then that makes kind of easier going forward uh, to try to decide with the roster and things like that. But 
yeah, Zach, I think he's going to wait uh, to to hit free agency. And he he said recently, like, you know, he's he's he wants what he's, you know, entitled to or what he's worth. And he, he's and that's damn right. You know, he, he should get the max. He should get what he's worth. All this talk about him taking a hometown discount and all this nonsense is like, look, let, let's start paying players that are all stars are that are all nba caliber like guys like jimmy that we let go let's pay those guys what they're worth and stop complaining about those guys and then we pay guys that are like did the jabari parkers the the old passer prime d ways we pay overpay these guys you know and nobody really outside a few fans nobody really complains about those contracts it's like how about we pay the guys that are actually producing their worth um what what they would get in the open market, right? So I'm not worried about that as far as paying Zach his 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 max extension or his max contract next offseason. And as far as my approach in the offseason, if he does pass it, it's the same. It's to improve. It's to try to make this team into a playoff team. It doesn't really change my outlook because I'm not looking at – I'm not approaching the offseason as like, oh, my God, Zach is going to leave next year. I'm approaching it as we're making this team better because I know Zach wants to stay. And that's how we're going to be good is like having him obviously, but putting the right pieces around him and Vooch to make this a playoff team. Absolutely. And that's something that I think you and I see eye to eye on. And and you, you certainly helped talk me off the ledge. There was a random night a few weeks ago where I was kind of, conflicted about the whole Vooch trade and I think you made an interesting point about that with Zach and Vooch you're better off now than you were before that trade and and I I do believe that do I wish things played out differently do I wish there were better decisions made with the rotation by Billy Donovan absolutely I still feel like they're in a better spot and while you don't have the draft capital I still feel like you can do enough maneuvering to improve the situation regardless of whether Zach signs his extension or not. Yeah, I agree. And and I'll say this too. I think uh, the limited time after the trade also played into the factor of them not being able to build enough chemistry together to win, win some of these games. I think if I'd imagine if they had like 10 more games to play together uh, in like an irregular 82 game season, I would not I think they probably would have ended up making the play-in tournament at least. So Mm -hmm. I think that that factored in, not having practices, not having, like I said, the time to really play together after after the trade happened to build that chemistry. I'm not concerned with that. My my mindset is this is at least a play-in team in my mind. And you're adding – to this team in the off season to try to get into that. And I'm, we're going to get into it, but get into that, like maybe sixth or fifth range. Let's get into the draft a little bit. Now, of course the Vucevic trade comes with the stipulation that if the bulls get into the top four, they get to keep that pick. If it falls out of the top four, it's Orlando's pick. So let's lay out two scenarios for you. If the Bulls get into the top four, what would you be doing with the pick? Are you going to keep it and pick one of these these studs in in this deep draft, 
or do you consider trading it to add a viable piece to the roster if somebody is available? So first, if you if you get the first all pick, I'm taking Kate. I'm not, I'm not trading yeah, that I, pick. Hundred um, percent agree with that. Yeah, unless unless Giannis decides that you know I'm, I changed my mind, I want out of Milwaukee. I'm not something crazy like that happens. I'm not looking to trade that pick. Um, as far and then after that, I would also look. Maybe I I really like uh, Jalen Suggs. I think he would be somebody the Bulls would um, definitely benefit from having. As far as you know, solving maybe that combo guard uh, offensive, you know, initiator because he showed some good passing abilities. Now he's not a pure point guard necessarily but he showed some good instincts as a passer in college so i think maybe he could definitely develop that uh coming into the league so he'd be the other guy I look at and as far as trading the pick i don't know if they can trade it on draft night i think they would have to probably select uh whoever they trade with like select the player because they do have the if, the, if they get the get into the top four this year then they owe the 20 2022 pick to Orlando. So obviously you can't trade picks in back-to-back drafts. So mm. I think I think what happens then is if a scenario comes around, it it's tough to say, right? Because you're not trading the pick on, on draft night. You can't. And who knows? I doubt anyone's going to be available to that really would entice you. Odds are they won't be yet. Maybe there will be. But then you can, like I said, you can work out a deal. Say, look, okay, we'll draft whoever you want um, at whatever you have, like at the third pick or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we'll throw in whatever else we might have. Like if it's a good enough player where, yeah, but we have to throw in Pat as well and Kobe and we'll get this player, like Damon Lillard, for example, in, in a scenario, Damon Paulson became available, something like that. But yeah, I, that's what I would look at. But mm-hmm. outside of, like I said, any, any, I, it, I'm not against trading like after the fact, like if you select for the team. But I think the ideal scenario really is, or the the likely scenario is, you walk away with obviously cross your fingers, Cade, or you walk away with uh, Suggs. Hmm. Um, and then obviously there's also guys like Mobley and I think Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green is kind of just because he's so talented, but he kind of duplicates a lot of what Zach does. Like his, I think his ceiling is like a Zach type of player. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that's what I'm thinking as far as to what to do if, if in, in those two scenarios. Yeah, and and what you're referring to, of course, is that the Stepien rule, which is you know you can't have a scenario where you end up with losing two consecutive first round picks. Now. One thing, and again, you mentioned the circumventing of that, and that's kind of what I'm getting at. I think if if the star player crops up, it's probably likely not a draft night trade. It's probably happening well into the offseason and parting with that asset. So good clarification on your point with that too because that, that is really important to note. With, the, I guess, the scenario that could happen. So let's say you draft a, a player of note. Let's say it's Cade Cunningham, and let's say it's it's in late July, early August. You get a call from the Sacramento Kings. They say to you, hey, look, we're, we're thinking about kind of starting this whole thing over. If it's possible, uh, we'd like you to part with Cade and, you know, maybe another asset to help offset salary. 
and we'll give you De'Aaron Fox. Would you make that trade, or do you want to see what you can do with a player like? No, I think that's too much for Darren Fox. I'm not not giving up Cade for Darren Fox. I like Darren Fox. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not giving up Cade for Darren Fox. Um, Like Cade is supposed to be like they've they talked about him being like a Grant Hill type of player. His potential is that good? Like he's supposed to be really good. I mean, he's not like obviously he's not like KD level of prospect or. Anything like that, but I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't give up Kate for Darren Fox. Um, I would, like I said, I would need to get like at least a top ten or top five player in a turn mm-hmm. to really to really trade that pick. I'm not. Yeah, that that would be my. I'm not like I said. Yeah, I'm not definitely not trading Kate for uh, Darren Fox. So you would only be wanting to part again if it will use the Giannis wants out of Milwaukee scenario. That might be the only time you're really thinking of training a player of that caliber. Yeah, like I said, it, and obviously Giannis is, is a top three player. But mm-hmm. like I said, it would have to be somebody that's like a top 10 player for me to say, yes, let's, let's trade uh, Cade for that player. And I, I want to put this on the record. That's not me saying I would support that trade. It is something, though, that you kind of see people in Bulls Nation constantly talking about De'Aaron Fox. So I threw that out there to see where you're kind of at in that. No, um, yeah, I, I like De'Aaron Fox. But like I said, he to me, he's kind of like in that, you know, he's a nice point guard. But I I don't think he's like he's not I don't think he's better than Zach right now. So like you're you're trading that good of an asset for somebody that's like if I'm trading away that pick, I'm I'm looking to get somebody that can really be that number one right yeah if so that would be the point could i let me throw this out at you now you mentioned zach what if they called and said hey we'll take zach for De'Aaron fox you you have kate cunningham in that scenario would you consider that move given the pending contract situation no hmm. no because i mean like i said i'm not worried about zach leaving and i'm not trading him for a worse player hmm. let me go with Another scenario, Orlando getting to keep the pick if it's outside the top four. Are you even thinking about entertaining the idea of trading someone to get into the first round? And if so, who would that person be? I think the most likely guy that you could trade is probably Kobe. Um, I think he probably has, outside of like trading Pat, I don't think you trade him though for a first round pick. But yeah, I think Kobe's probably the most likely guy that you could trade but I, I think it depends it depends on where you're where you're selecting uh what what draft pick you're thinking about and who might be available there obviously it it, it could be a scenario like if there's like a three like a, a wing that you really like that could fit the roster better fit with uh zach and Vooch better and they wanted kobe for that and you can do that maybe that makes sense but yeah, that's the only scenario I can really think. And I wouldn't want to add future assets either, just to trade into this. Like I, I, I don't know if I want to add in like you know, a guy like Troy Brown Jr. or whatever to, to trade for, you know, more assets to trade for an unproven talent when you're trying to you know solidify this as a playoff team. So let's go into that time just after the draft and before we're entering the free agency period. So. What's your plan with some of the pieces that are currently on the roster? And I'm going to just rattle off some names here. 
First one, of course, is Larry Markkinen. We know he's a restricted free agent. Um, again, publicly, we've heard Arturis Karnaschovas say that, well, he's in our plans, but it seems like it was a little more of a smokescreen and maybe as a scenario trying to get him involved with sign-and-trade possibilities. If you were Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley, what's your plan with Larry Markkinen? Yeah, ideally a sign-and-trade. Uh, I know like teams like San Antonio have been brought up, uh, Dallas. I think the recent report is he would like to go to Dallas. I don't know if Dallas has interest in them. But that'd be kind of cool if you can kind of do a sign-and-trade where you could get Josh Richardson because I think mm-hmm. he could fit in nicely at that three. And that's something like that I'm thinking of. I don't know. I don't know what exactly it would take uh, to, to get that sign and trade done. But um, obviously, the the team that's looking to get Larry is probably more likely to just offer him a contract because to dare the Bulls to match. Um, like if it's like 18 million or so, I'm definitely walking away from that. Um, so my ideal scenario for Larry is either a sign and trade or if he signs an offer sheet for like 18, 20 million, it's like, all right, man, appreciate um, the last couple of years, but uh, we'll see you around. Yeah. And the sign trade scenarios are interesting. And I definitely want to get into that a little bit later because I think some of the analysts and reporters that cover the team have kind of, they've kicked around the idea of possibly making a three-way trade that could get you Lonzo Ball also. Those are really tricky to pull off, um, but I'd be interested if, if that's something possibly or as you brought up with Dallas. So that's definitely something I want to kick around a little bit later for sure. Yeah, definitely. I, th- all those things are, are viable, like I said, but I I just don't see Lowry as being on the team next season. So, yeah, that, that's like unless he gets like a $10 million a year offer, then I might consider just matching that. Yeah. And then you can trade him later. But yeah, I, I foresee him probably getting like eighteen million dollar off just because I know I know he didn't have the best season like as the season went on. But he is twenty three and you know, there's a lot of teams that have cap space this offseason. And all it takes is one team and a lot of these small market teams are more likely to take a chance simply because they aren't generally a, a free agent destination. And it's kind of like, you know, you have to use that money and it might be worth the risk to try to take on a 22-year-old guy, three-year-old guy that, you know, at least has has one skill set as, as a shooter at the very wow. least. And then maybe you can, you know, develop him and maybe he, maybe it was like a, he needed to change his uh, scenery. You're basically like, I was just about to say this, like that is the argument that you know there's a handful of gms ready to pounce and they're thinking that exact same thing we get him in our building he's seven foot 23 years old had poor development had one year of good coaching maybe but he didn't get a full season with it and we know we can do better here's 18 20 million i just that i think that's what's going to happen with larry Markinen, and i know I've heard some people uh, speculate that well, maybe it might be a little, you know, shorter than 18 million, but I don't know. With that age, the potential, I think somebody's going to pay him for sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm I'm looking at it in that in, in that lens, and I'm like, you can't, you know what? It it's likely to happen. So one way or another, I don't see Larry on the team next season, and and hopefully, like I said, hopefully it is a sign and trade at the and, and even if it isn't for a player. 
it'd be nice to get that trade to player exception. If you can get like an 18, yeah. 20 million dollar trade to player exception, that's huge. Oh, right? of course. So then you never know what comes about as either that offseason or before the trade deadline. Maybe you can add a really solid player to fit into that exception. And here's the thing. We know this. You, Salim, when you are playing the role of an executive, you will not do what Garpax did. You will use a trade exception when you get it. Yes. I know that. Yes. <laughs> Unlike the Kyle Korver move. You're going to use your trade exception. <laughs> yeah. All these you know little things that Garpax do that – uh, end up I'm money to nothing. Yeah, that's that's definitely not my mindset. <laughs> that is not your approach. So let's go. Uh, let's let's keep rattling off here a, a few more players. So Tomas Sadoransky, we know that yeah he could be released to free up about five million of his ten million dollar deal next year. He's got ten million that that's available on his contract. So if you release him for five mil, you're taking only like a, a five million dollar cap hit. Are you just gonna keep him? Do you want to get rid of him to free up that little bit of extra cash or maybe look to trade him? Yeah, so my, my goal again, so I think it is best to operate as over to the cap team. So I don't know mm-hmm. if it makes sense just to release him. Um, yeah. I would definitely look to trade him. Maybe you can tr- combine, maybe if you can flip like a second rounder for him and like in that three, like, you know, when we talk about that three, three team sen- trade scenario, maybe like, if you can get Lonzo Ball in a, th- a three-team trade scenario, and then Larry goes to this one team, and you get Lonzo, and then you send maybe a second with Tom- Tomas to another team, or maybe you get another second for Tomas. You send certain assets to, uh, you know, the Pelicans and so forth, and then when that other team is sending an asset over to you, you send that asset to the Pelicans to get Lonzo, something like that. Um, maybe you can work out that. So, like, so for example, like, let's say that Dallas, Dallas really does want Larry. So they say, hey, hold up, let's get the Pelicans on the phone. Okay, whatever assets you were going to send us for Larry in the sign and trade, we'll give that to the Pelicans. We'll send Tomas to the Pelicans, and we'll send in another asset to the Pelicans, and then we'll get Lonzo. Something like yeah. that. Tomas Sanaransky is interesting because I think he does have value. Um, I guess it's just, you know, do you want to keep him as somebody off your bench if you do make these other upgrades? So let's say you, you do end up adding that wing. You have a facilitator. Do you still want Tomas coming off the bench? I mean, it doesn't hurt. Or would you rather see if you can even upgrade the bench spot? I guess it just depends on how you view Sadoransky as a player. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like Sato. I, so I, I was, a, at the start of the season, I was in favor of starting him. Not start of the season, as the season went on, I should say. Just to kind of get more more of a facilitator into the starting lineup. But he, he's, ideally, he's a solid backup point guard. Um, and if you get a guy like Lonzo at that point, if you have Kobe still, it really doesn't make sense to hold on, hold on to Tomas at that point. So that's why I, I kind of look at moving him one way or another to see what you can kind of, you know, you can get some kind of asset for him. I know there's teams around the league that would that would like to have him, I would imagine. So, again, in, in your eyes, you're you're looking to trade him. You're not going to free up salary by just cutting him. No, I, would, I wouldn't do that. I, I absolutely okay. would not trade. Because, like I said, you can always go into the season and potentially trade him too. 
Um, okay. I'm not, like I said, I don't think it makes sense for the Bulls to just clear up a bunch of cap space and let go of, of rotation players and and the hopes that they might be able to sign somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I don't th- I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. And it, I think kind of this might make it interesting when we start getting into the attack of free agency. But just before we get there, I have two more players. Uh, Thaddeus Young. So again, similar scenario. He can be released to free up eight million of his fourteen million dollar salary for next year. So it's really only a six million dollar cap hit. I'm guessing you're taking a similar approach to Young as you are Sadoransky. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And with Thad, so I think Thad and and, and Tice kind of tie in together. Mm. Um, so if you want to keep Tice, I think it's hard to keep Thad. Um. It makes probably sense to move him, and I think there's definitely he'd be a lot easier to move as far as any player on this any between like uh, Sato and himself. I think he, a lot of teams would love to have him, and they would probably give up a first rounder for him mm. uh, to do so. I would imagine. Um, but like I said, so I think with him being so close with Zach, I'd probably choose him over Tice if it came down to it. Uh, with Tice, is, it's tough because it depends on what the contract he gets. I know we're kind of skipping over that. Um, so I, 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 we're, I'm definitely not cutting that. Mm. Let's let's roll right into Daniel Tice because I think you, you got a good point here that they go kind of hand in hand. So then yeah. what so would with, go ahead with, yeah, with Daniel Tice? Yeah, yeah. With Tice, it all depends what he gets. And I think if he gets like such a big offer, it's hard to, you know, an underserved free agency, like if he if he wants a certain amount, like let's say he wants like fifteen million a year, uh, as an example, I don't know if that makes sense to to keep him at that point. Um, if it's like a if it's like a like a two year deal or something like that at like nine million, maybe you keep him because then you can still trade him. Mm-hmm. But like I say, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense. It, it is all about dollar value, and if you do keep him at like 15 plus million then like i said but it doesn't make sense to have both young and tice on the roster what would be the the number that you would maybe consider bringing daniel tice back at like you, yeah, you like, nine? like nine like nine like the mid-level exception i think because you can still probably move him at that point right um you know you could probably still move him for something at that point but i don't i don't think I don't know if he would accept that. Yeah, D- Daniel Tice, those are the kind of guys that they seem to cash in in free agency periods like the one that's coming up. So it, it would not surprise me if, if he's getting excess of 10 mil. And I know that might surprise some Bulls fans because you look at some of the, I know you, you're like me, you, you kind of read some of the, the tweets around Bulls Nation. And, and there's a lot of people that think he's going to get like the mid-level exception. And I, I don't think he will. I think he actually is going to, make a pretty decent amount of money this off season. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, right? So right now he makes five million. So the mid level would be an would be an increase in in mm-hmm. his salary. Um and I think maybe at that point, like I said, it might make sense to keep him. And I don't know if anyone's gonna try to tie him up for four years. Yeah. I think it'll probably be like a two year deal. Like I said, I I wouldn't be opposed to keeping him at two years. Um two years like fifteen is 18 million but um yeah that would be my thought process because like i said if it's like a two-year deal like that and at like at around the mid-level like so it starts out at about seven eight million and then you know 
at whatever the second year. Um, that I think you can still move him because mm-hmm. he would still be a movable contract at that point and an, an asset. And if I'm operating as an overcap team anyways, I don't think that really hinders my my plan. So th- yeah, that I think that makes sense at that point. Okay, cool. So let's let's get into the free agency period. Uh, just to kind of recap what you said about the the players that are currently on the roster, Laurie Markkinen seeking that sign and trade oppor- opportunity, or if he gets that offer of eighteen million plus, you're not gonna match it. Tomas Sadoransky, you're either gonna keep him or look to make him part of some type of deal if it's if it's available or some type of trade option. Uh, with Thaddeus Young, you're looking to keep him, and Daniel Tice, maybe bring him back if the price is right. Let's look at, though, this free agency period. You mentioned some of the point guards available, and you know some of them are pretty pricey, but how are, how are you attacking this free agency period? Is your approach going to be locking down long-term deals? Or are you looking for more one-year commitment, early opt-outs for that future flexibility? Yeah, so I'm not opposed to signing more than one-year deals because, again, I don't think that 2022 class is going to end up being as good as people think it is. And if it is, you know you can still find ways to get guys. Like, you look at Miami and what they did with Jimmy Butler. Um, They didn't have to – they didn't have cap space, but they were still able to get him, right? Mm-hmm. So I think if you don't have like terrible contracts, you can still move those. And that's what I'm saying. Like when you're extending some of these guys and I don't think the bulls will have like terrible contracts that unmovable contracts, if they do um, have uh, extend anyone beyond 2022. So going into free agency, I'm looking at point guard. Again, we talked about Lonzo ball, see if you can get a sign and trade for him. Um, I'm looking at 15 to 18 million for Lonzo. Outside of that 20 might be a push. Um, but I'm not I'm not giving Lonzo more than twenty million a year. And I think with Lonzo is tricky again that I didn't touch earlier. It's it comes down to him wanting Chicago specifically. Like him saying, Okay, I only want to go to Chicago. I know he has a relationship with Zach. I think we see that after like every time that Bulls and Pelicans play, him and Zach seem to always like go out of their ways to like, you know, kinda like, you know, talk to each other and, you know, kind of shake hands and hug after the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of seems like, you know, they have a really close, they have some sort of a close relationship, or at least like they're pretty friendly in a sense. Uh, I'd imagine maybe if you ask Zach, like, yeah, he's a friend of mine or something like that, I would imagine. Um, so maybe, maybe that does factor in and Lonzo says, you know, I want Chicago. I know in the past he says there's been rumors that he wants to go to Chicago or New York, one of the major markets. Um, because obviously New York can flat out just offer him a, a pretty decent deal. Um, and at that point, you know, it, the Bulls, I don't know if it makes sense for the Bulls to try to go off after him. For like, like, for example, let's say oh, New York offers him $25 million. I'm not sure it makes sense for the Bulls to do that. And I wouldn't want the Bulls to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't I, – I, even though with Lonzo, he has improved every year um, since he's gone into the league, obviously – with his shooting, um, his mechanics on a shot—that's like that's very difficult to do, to to change your shot completely at this stage in your career. And he was able to do that. He's shown that he can be a good spot of three-point shooter. Um, he's improved every year. So maybe you know, seeing again, like he is only twenty-three, 
Um, he could still have some ceiling to grow as a player as well, and maybe he becomes a better half-court point guard as well. And if you can't get Lonzo, let's say Price is out or it's just really hard to to get him. Let's say he, you know, it's between like New York and Chicago and somehow New York wins this. What are some other names on the point guard list that you're looking at? Again, some of the big names, Chris Paul could opt out. Mike Conley's available. Kyle Lowry's available. As you already mentioned, those guys are going to be probably pretty expensive. You got names like Goran Dragic, Dennis Schroeder, Spencer Dinwiddie has a player option. What are some names you're looking at as alternatives? I think maybe like a Devonte Graham. You can maybe try to, mm. I don't know how, how much the Hornets value him. I, I like him as an upgrade over Sato. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, maybe you can move Sato as a trade, like forget something for him, like an asset for him. Because I like, I know he's not a very good finisher inside the paint, like inside the arc as at the rim. But he, I see him like as a three and deep guard, point guard. So he would be solid and defensively. And then he shoots like thirty-seven percent on high volume behind the arc. So I think, I think that could be a potential possibility. Uh, cheap guys like Ish Smith. I know a lot of Bulls fans like Derrick Rose. I wouldn't be opposed to Derrick Rose. I think he'd be good as far as a leader aspect. I just don't know if he solves like what the Bulls really need, um, like defensively. I, I don't, he's not, a, that's not really a strong suit for him. And I think he kind of, rep, as, as, as far as offense goes, he kind of replicates what Kobe and Zach do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I think as far as like late game situations, he would definitely help in that regard. But overall, I, I just, those are some of the names. Like, and I, I, did I mention Ish Smith? I'm sorry. Like, it could be a cheap, Ish Smith could be like a cheap one year deal that you can add that he does something similar in a sense where he's good at as a control ball handler that is and might not make you know bad decisions late in the game when you brought up um derrick rose and i, I was going to bring him up at within this discussion it is interesting because i do think he's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years where he's worth adding to your team it's just i kind of do see this the same redundancies that you're seeing and i feel like there's even like dennis schroeder for example I there's things I like about him. I think he's a good defensive point guard, but I also kind of see I just don't see a good fit. And like that's how I feel like with Derrick Rose as well. I I don't know if they're great fits with the current setup you have now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um and then like, you know, other role players that you can potentially add like a Reggie Bullock that you can maybe add that could be a cheap guy. Um maybe like Derrick Jones Jr. opts out. And you can get him. I think he would be interesting as far as starting at the three. Hmm. Um, you know, he's young, athletic, defensive, type of minded player. Maybe that's the type of guy you can add. Um, yeah, those are some of the names I'm thinking of. It's obviously just this offseason or the free agent classes and like ginormous. So you're trying to add like guys that can fit in and actually play and be upgrades over. Um, like Denzel Valentine type of players that we were kind of trotting out there, like our uh, RC Diacono, instead of playing them, play these guys. You know that could actually contribute. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned uh, you mentioned Bullock there as a as a small forward, and uh, I just blanked. But Derek Jones Jr. was that? Yeah, yeah, Derek Jones yeah. Jr. Correct. So, um, are those the guys you're you're targeting? At, at, like, is that? who's at maybe the, the top of your list for wings or is there somebody that you might consider taking a big swing at that's on this in this free agent class? 
I mean, I, it's there's not really. A, I mean, obviously Kawhi could opt out and crazy things that happen, but I mean that's that's the only real thing I can think of. And when I'm looking at this list, it's it's not a lot of uh, not a lot of big names. I mean, you know, there's obviously there's oh Patty Mills is another point guard if he hits free agency. Obviously, that's that's another name you can look at. But I mean, TJ McConnell is another guy, but he's kind of, I think he's probably, he's a better defensive Sato, maybe. I, I don't think he, and, and he's not as good a shooter as Sato, but he, yeah, he's probably like a better defensive Sadoransky, I would say. But yeah, there's not a lot of like names like in this free agency class. I know people like Spencer Dinwiddie, but I think that's, that again, you'd run into the same issue where he isn't really good defensively. And I I don't think he fits in that regards with, with what's his uh, with Zach and Kobe and then also with Vucevic. Um, mm-hmm. I know people some people mention Doug McDermott again. Yeah, he it's nice he's, he can shoot the ball, but again he's he's not a good defender. And no. when I'm looking to add guys to this roster to fit play with Zach Vuce and, and Kobe, I'm not adding another bad defender that, you know, makes the lineup worse. I, I need to add good defenders, someone that can, with the improvements with Pat, ideally, that he becomes a better defender next season than what we think he can. And then you add that three, that's a good defender that kind of solidifies, like, it mixes the uh, the starting lineup better. Okay, so for the for the sake of us going kind of into the, the next season, give me the guy that you're going to sign for point guard and small forward. If we can, if we walk away somehow with a signing trade for Lonzo Ball and then Derek Jones Jr. opts out of uh, his contract and we can land him somehow, I think that would be a huge free agent. That'd be a really nice, like that'd be a solid free agency in my opinion. We'll set it up with that scenario as we go into the season. So let's say you've you've been able to pull off that move. Again, the goal of this is is playoffs being the 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 target. What do you think is then the ceiling for the team you've constructed? You think you got to play in range team seven to ten, or within that four to six seed? I think that four to six is realistic. I think it's like ideally five, more likely five or six seed. Uh, I, like I said, I I do think this is a like as currently constructed. I think they're probably a play in team if they had more time to gel together. Um, but when you add these certain pieces that can you know upgrade rotation as far as your rotation is concerned and solidify it more and, and obviously you have more chemistry and ideally I think you probably see some more growth from Kobe from Pat I think at that point I think you can say yeah you could see this team somewhere in that four to six range interesting yeah and that it, it was funny I think the day of the Vucevic trade I made the bull proclamation that the Bulls were going to nail down the sixth seed so I thought that even with the addition of Vucevic and the, the current makeup they had, I thought that they had that chance because, you know, we, I don't think we saw some of the injuries, Zach entering COVID protocols happening, but I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like this team already has that potential to be at least within playing range, and I, I don't think that's an unrealistic scenario at all. Yeah, like I said, if you add those players, I think that and, and, and see some internal growth, um, with like Kobe next season, if you start him off in the role that you finished him in this season, not trying to be more, not trying to be like you know running the offense, 
just being that spot up guy playing off of Zach and Luch. I think that he'll you'll, you'll maybe see better development and maybe he also shows some you know I think he did show some nice ability to to play in a in a two man game with him and Vooch. He mm-hmm. had some decent you know passes in the pick and roll and I think he did look for teammates a little bit more when he was driving to the basket to kick it out to guys that were open and not just trying to get tunnel vision in in a sense. And I think there were some times that he did show some ability to be a little better on on defense and maybe with him maybe him getting stronger could help in the offseason um i know a lot one of my biggest gripes with him all season was getting caught up on screens but i think he did in later part of the season show that he was a little better not consistently by any means but he did do a little better at times he showed that he could kind of he showed that he could keep up a little bit with um fight through some of these screens a little bit but Ideally, maybe he does improve in, as well in that regard next season. But the biggest thing is obviously just getting him in that role where he's not focused on trying to run the offense and just kind of playing his natural game. So I, I want to throw one scenario your way. Let's say the Bulls are kind of in a similar situation they were this past year where you know around the deadline, they're under 500 kind of floating into that 9 to 12 range of the East. So they're like within play-in contention. Um, But things haven't really improved the way you wanted to see it. Are you thinking about trading Zach and starting a rebuild again? Or are you trying to make moves that cement you in the playoff picture at around the deadline instead? I mean, I'd be pretty surprised if they're under 500. Um, I think that's enough. And especially in the East, I think there's enough there that keeps you above 500 not necessarily like 10 games or anything lined up above 500 but keeps you as a solid team where you're pacing toward you know one of those top six maybe uh, seeds but in in the slim chance there is no I'm, I'm still not trading zach at that point you see if you can still make the team better somehow i mean you have to figure out what really is going on wrong that the team isn't uh you know, excelling like or working as well as you thought it would. Like, what is it? Like, is Kobe just still not showing any development? Is Pat still just really not doing anything? What's going on? Right? Mm-hmm. What what what's what's missing from the team is? Do we need to add another like player that you can potentially get to, you know, solidify the rotation? Um, look at something like that, but yeah, I, that those are the things. I'm, I'm not trading Zach yet. I still, I'm still thinking that he's still a long term answer. And like I said, if you trade Zach, I don't know how much you're going to get for him. You're probably going to get a low balled anyways. So then again, if we then look at the scenario of them getting in that four to six seed range, you know, you have Lonzo Ball, Derek Jones Jr. that you added. We didn't really get into the role players, but let's say, you know, you, you kept Thad Young. Let's say Sato went in the sign-and-trade. Laurie Markkinen's gone. Real quick, did we bring back Daniel Tice? Depending. Yeah, let's say if he gets, like, uh, the MLE level type of contract, okay. I would I would probably bring him back at that point. I mean, I would say that's a pretty solid roster. There is some, I wouldn't say major cap space issues. But, I mean, again, you brought this up. There's always a potential for flexibility. Do you think you have a, a team that's desirable as you enter the 2022 offseason? Again, we, we know that 
maybe all the, the stud free agents that are set to be available might not be available, but let's just say, let's say they are. Do you think you have set up yourself to be in a desirable landing spot for any of those players? Yeah, definitely. I think when you have two guys like Vooch and, and Zach, who again, probably if the Bulls are in the thick of the playoffs, they'll be they'll likely be selected to be all stars. Um, I think at that point, when you have two all stars, you're in the thick of it as far as a playoff race is concerned. Yeah, I think that's desirable, and you've improved your image. That that winning, making the playoffs, obviously is the number one goal to get there, right? To to be desirable, and then that's the biggest difference maker. And at that, and then after the, that. You kind of see your, you know, your reputation has improved as far as the internal things that you've done. You know, you no longer have that weird infighting where the the GM is fighting with the coach, or there's like wiretapping going on, or whatever. You know, goofy scenarios that always, you know, that that was, you know, and oddly, and not to get sidetracked, yeah. wasn't that nice that this was the first season and how long that we didn't have. Those goofy things. I, I was just I was just about to say this. Like we have, I think, as a collective fan base, really bad Garpax PTSD because it's almost like stuff that we always think of in the back of our heads. Like I I was thinking about that as you were saying that, like, man, it's nice to not have to deal with any of that shit anymore. You don't have to deal with drama every off season or even, you know, in the middle of a season. And it seemed like, especially in the last five years of Garpax, we, we got a lot of that. It's, it's just nice not to have to deal with that. But I also think, though, and you tell me if I'm crazy, because it probably is the reason we frame some of the, or I've framed some of the questions the way I have. There's still a part of you that's, like, still thinking about some of those things. Like, well, could they possibly, like, not be aggressive? Or could they possibly, like sit on their assets or not use a trade exception? You know what I mean? Like, do you have yeah. those comments? <laughs> well, I, my concern with them, some of it is, like I, I, I talked about in, in the, uh, my last episode that we did uh, for Bulls Gold was why they didn't take advantage of some of these around, moves around the margin, like uh, utilizing yeah. the uh, utilizing the MLE, uh, the, the biannual exception, um, Keeping after the trade deadline, keeping guys like Valentine and and Felicio on the roster when you can potentially add younger guys from the G League or international uh, guys that you know they're just talent pool. It's just a vast talent pool that I think probably wasted. You didn't really take an opportunity to see what Devin Dotson has. Um, I, I imagine they're still going to bring him back, but I, I just didn't understand why you would not take full advantage of those small moves when. That's when you what you were touted as a guy that finds under the bench is not only good at overall the big picture stuff, but those small things too that solidifies that like the end of the bench and things like that. And real quick before I move on, I, I want to say like I tip of the cap on that because I 100% agree with you. To me, that when we talk about season of evaluation, what we thought 2021 was. I thought as we were entering the season, those were the kind of moves that were going to be made because wouldn't you want to see Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter, at this time, Wendell Carter, Kobe White, your draft pick with upgraded bench talent? Because you see what happens when injuries ravage your team throughout the year or you have COVID protocols. You got to tap those guys at the end of the bench. 
And instead of Denzel Valentine, find a better small forward shooting guard option instead, right? Exactly, exactly. So you're trying to, you you have to try to find like you're not obviously you're not going to find superstars in, in, in that in that talent pool, but there are guys like you look at Raptors found Fred Van Vliet. You know, they, there's teams that find solid players that they eventually develop into like you know top rotation you know, top of your rotation to your top seven or eight guys that you can really rely on. Right. So it, it just, it just, it just kind of perplexing that they didn't take advantage of that. And that's a very Garpax thing. And that's what annoyed me about them this season. We, we talked a lot about the whole Zach Levine situation. So I, I'm assuming that in this scenario, as we enter 2022 off season, you're locking up Zach Levine to his contract extension. And I think this is my sense too, that the, the real Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley probably have no issue giving him his max deal. So let's just assume he's, he's taking that. There is a player that I do want to get to though. Uh, and it's, it's Nikola Vucevic. So I think that Nikola Vucevic will continue to be a productive player even as he gets older. I think that's just the, the style of ball he plays. I think he's at least going to be somewhat productive. But he does have a year left on his contract in this scenario. And he would be, I think, 31 at that point, going on 32. If you're poised to make a splash in the free agency period, let's say that's the scenario that's being played out, are you looking to keep or move Vucevic to possibly free up more cap space for the big name or do you just try to operate with him and move other pieces if you need to or, or get creative i think ideally operate with him and and move other pieces like i said if if you get a commitment from a, a big name at that point you're trying to team him up with zach and booch because mm-hmm. that's your your big three in a sense then right so yeah i, w- I would try to you can try to you know work out a trade with the team that you know the guy that's leaving, for example, maybe you try to work out a sign a sign and trade with the, the the team that he's going to. Like those, like I keep bringing up Miami, what they did to get Jimmy. I mean, they found a way to do it without cap space. So I think yeah. that's I think that's a possibility. So, but yeah, I think Zach and Booch, and like you said, Booch is not someone that relies on athleticism. I think personally, he probably has another four years left in him where he's going to be still very productive three, four years left in him at least where he's Mm -hmm. going to be very productive at and putting up numbers, like as an all-star level player. Um, And then after that, I can see him declining, but he'll probably still be productive in, in ways unless obviously like injuries, you know, aside and I'm obviously we have to cross our fingers. Nothing like that happens. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm keeping Booch, and you can you can figure out how to maneuver around to try to get that big name in other ways. All right. So as we start to wrap up here, a couple more questions. So let's say it does get to that point. If they do have your eyes set on that major free agent, again, the creativity factor comes in. So are you opting out of Kobe White's fourth year to then create that space, or you want to include him as a, a role player in this scenario? So you'd be opting in for about seven million. It depends. Like I said, it's all it all depends on if I got a commitment from that player um, that he definitely wants to come here. He's going to come here. So yeah, at that point, you look at all your options and how you can do that. And if if just cutting Kobe White is 
is what gets uh gets you enough whatever to, to sign the set player yeah that's fine uh which i don't think it really will i don't think that it will be a factor but also on top of that you also have to consider maybe you can do a trade to free up that instead of just cutting him mm-hmm. uh, maybe you can you can flip kobe for an asset you know yeah uh and, and some someone can you know send you a first and they'll take kobe off your hands in a sense so yeah i that's the type of things i'm looking at but first things first you have to get that commitment i'm not i'm not just letting go of good players for nothing and then you walk away with nothing after the fact and then all of a sudden you lost kobe and you're you're kind of sitting with your hands you know up your ass in a sense your thumbs up your ass like yeah like you're, you're screwed <laughs> so let let's do the dream scenario here in 2022 and and let's look at some of the names that could vault the bulls into this top tier team in the east potentially into that title contending status so there's going to be some interesting names again we're assuming these players are available because as you mentioned it doesn't always happen that way and there's a good chance some of these guys opt back in so what are some of those names that you would be very intrigued to add to the mix with your core that you've created? I mean, Steph Curry will be awesome, obviously. <laughs> but okay, so right it's not away, very you likely. Are, you are shipping out Lonzo Ball after one year, I'm guessing, if that's it. Yes, if Steph, Curry, if Steph Curry wants to come here, yes, definitely. Um, yeah, it's him. I think, I think actually Kawhi would potentially be another person. If he doesn't opt out here, he can opt out. Or he would just yeah. hit free agency in 2022. Um, I think uh, Kevin Durant was another uh, name that could hit, hit free agency. Kyrie Irving so, um, is another guy. Um, James Harden, I think, is also another guy, potentially, I believe. So, like, like a lot of these names, I mean, like we talked earlier, I'd just be surprised if they'll, they'll actually be available, I think. It's likely they'll just extend. Like you, you look at the Boston. I mean Boston, um, Brooklyn, three. I doubt they're gonna leave. Like yeah. I would be surprised after one. I mean, obviously everything so fluid in the NBA, things change. But at this point, I'd imagine after playing one season together, they're going to want to play. You know, multiple seasons together and try to see if they can win. Especially if they like. Let's say if they do win it in the next year or two. I doubt they're going to be like, all right, we're done. Let's leave. Mm-hmm. They probably going to want to stick together and see how many more they can win. Yeah. And that's the one issue that it's really tough when you do kind of play a game like this because you want to be able to do this. And I've been burned because you've, you've heard my episodes here. I've always done like these hypotheticals and I always love to dream about these big names, but most of the time, and especially it seems like in the last couple of years, these players do opt back in or, or re-sign with the teams they're with. Now, what would be really cool and probably more realistic is there's a player that's just demanding out, like a Zion Williamson type player is like, you know what, I'm done with New Orleans. I, I can't do this anymore. Or you get one of those type of scenarios. That might be more realistic. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, at that point, maybe you can get something done. And like you talked about, I know you've talked about Cat in the past. Yeah, at that point, maybe you can, having a guy like Booch, maybe you can have, flip him to them and, and another asset to get Cat. If Cat says, you know, I only want Chicago, mm-hmm. um, that could be a scenario you can work out. But, yeah, it's 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 all about what's available to you. And 
I, when I look at this free agent class, I know everyone's hyping it up. It's like when I look at it, it's like, and I, I think Bradley Beal's another guy that can opt out supposedly. Like he's not once mentioned he wants out of Washington. People keep bringing him up on their own as far as oh he he's gonna he's going he's interested in Miami he's this and that. But Bradley Beal is always like you know I want to be in in Washington. And before he signed this extension, everyone thought he was going to leave. And all of a sudden, he found out he he extended with them. Yeah. Right. So to me, it just like I said, it you know right now it it looks like it could be a really good free agent class, but like we find out for this year, we're gonna come in and all of a sudden you know everyone is gonna be gone. If it does play out where everybody's on the open market, that's the these big names. Who's number one? I mean, you mentioned Steph, but if Kevin Durant's there, yeah, I mean, Kevin are... Durant definitely. Kevin Durant will be the 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 guy that I think could be a good potentially, you know, you could get because he's talked so openly, like, like glowingly, I should say that's the word I was trying to look for glowingly as far as Zach and with Kobe and, and Vooch, what they've, what the bulls have been building here. Like he really likes Zach. Like he's just gone out of his way to praise Zach. So I think that's a good possibility of that. You can land Kevin Durant and Kevin Durant looks like he's not going to be declining anytime soon. So, um, so he would still be a major get if you can if you can land him. But you your main thing at this point because you're you're bringing back Zach, you're bringing back Vooch in your scenario. Are you then saying like I need to just stay on my P's and Q's and I need to just right now look to add high end role players to the mix? Yeah, make the team better. And like I said, I'm not worried about. I I think if there's a way to get a big name, you can get him still in today's league. There's not. You don't necessarily have to have the cap space to to work it out. I know it's that's ideal, but as long as you have contracts that are not bad and they're still movable, mm-hmm. um, that's the key, right? If you have bad contracts, that that's when it becomes difficult to try to maneuver around to land that big name. But if you have contracts on your roster that are are decent contracts that are even like with the contracts that might be bigger or younger players that teams will still be interested in adding. Like, let's say you do get Lonzo at 18 million and you need to move him later. I think he's a young player at, and he's shown, like I said, to improve every year. Um, and being that, I think he would be a movable contract. So yep. I think it's, it's still all possible to, to get that done. And, but it comes down to, again, if you don't have the cap space, you have to make sure you don't have like horrendous contracts on your roster. And that's the key. And I think this is a good place to end with when you're talking about building future flexibility. And when we kind of look at the scenario that's set up right now, if you had to make a, a move for a big name player, and in the scenario you set up, right? Like you mentioned Lonzo, Derek Jones Jr., you're probably not signing him for a ridiculous Jabari Parker ish price tag. Exactly. That, you know, and he's a quality player. You're adding, um, or you you're, you have Vucevic, who we both said, he's going to be at some level of productivity. I, I, there's a couple of people within Bulls Nation that get really panicked with Vucevic and his age. Yeah. I mean, he's still going to be productive and his contract de-escalates. There's flexibility there too. There's flexibility with Kobe White. Kobe White's not complete trash. Like, I think people need to realize... That's kind of what you get in most drafts from a number seven pick. You know, he has he has value in this league as 
a, a good spark plug combo guard. So it's not terrible by any means with the situation they're set up with and the one that you've created as the armchair general manager of the Bulls. Exactly. Yeah. That's my, my goal. I'm not, I'm not necessarily, like I said, my goal isn't just to sign one year deals. If I can add even two year deals, if I can add guys, I'd make the team better. That's a goal, but you have to make sure you're not signing bad contracts. That's just the key. If you, if it's a bad contract, that's when you're setting up yourself to be, well, not, not, not only am I, am I kind of, you know, sticking with the current roster, like I have to make sure this current roster works, but then future flexibility comes into play as well. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my goal. And when it's said and done, is go into this off season. Obviously, if you can get Lonzo for that, you know, four year deal for eighteen, you know, about eighteen million a year, that's good. I think, like I said, I think that's still a movable contract down the line. You add a guy like Derek Jones Jr. for two years. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I, maybe he gets a four year deal from someone. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like he's a guy that a lot of teams want to hand up four years for. Um, maybe, t- like I said, Tice, you retain for a, on a two-year deal at Labot, the mid-level. Because all these guys then still are movable. They're not like terrible contracts. It's like, oh, great, I'm stuck with this guy. Like I signed him to like a four-year deal, that, like a Felicio contract. And it just becomes like I'm stuck with this contract now. But like I said, if you're doing reasonable deals, even if they extend beyond 2022 and – and that 2022 free agent class is still, you know, a really good free agent class. Once you get to there, you can still move some of these contracts, even if they're not, you know, even if you don't have the cap space, you can still move these guys to clear space or even use them to trade to the the, the team that that big name is coming from. Yeah. And Salim, I think that's, that's the thing in today's NBA. It's, and it's been like that. I feel like for a while, the, the best teams know how to use the trade market to their advantage. And if you know how to do that, you are always going to be able to continue competing. And if you continue competing, you will eventually, I think, land a big name that way. So whether it's free agency, trade market, you'll you'll find a way to make it happen. Uh, Salim, always a pleasure to have you on. And it's this was a lot of fun to have you play the role of a, of the armchair executive of the Chicago Bulls. Thank you so much. No, appreciate uh, ha- you having me on. It's always fun coming on your show, and I like some of the ideas you come up with, and it's it's good. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun conversation. Awesome. And real quick, just for our listeners again, tell them where they can find Bulls Gold and your thoughts on Twitter. Yeah, we are. You can find us on major and minor podcast podcast platforms. Um, you can follow us at Bulls Gold uh, on Twitter. You can follow me at Jordan Dynasty. On Twitter, uh, my co-host Edward. You can follow him at Edward Schuler Jr. And Schuler is just S H U L E R, because sometimes people like to put a C in there. I know I used to. Uh, you do that by habit. I just I just thought there was a C in there for some reason, but there isn't. Huh. Um, but yeah, and you can also listen to us on the Nothing But Net Radio uh, Dash Radio. Uh, that's part of Dash Radio on Tuesdays at 8 a.m. Central, and we're also part of Newly newly part of the 1252 uh, Sports Entertainment Network as well. Fantastic. Well, you guys keep doing an an awesome job too over there, so continue the good work. And I think I'm going to try to get Edward on 
to do this. I think he'd be really good at this and, and provide some interesting yeah. thoughts. He'd probably be better at, and clearer minded than me because I kind of tend to ramble and jump around. I think I've, I lose like I, I lose my train of thought sometimes. I feel like. <laughs> well, it, that that often happens when you when you discuss Bulls basketball, and again, it's part of the Garpex PTSD. So thanks, <laughs> thanks, Celine, for popping on and take care. Okay, man. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.